Welcome to Always West Seattle, where the people, places, happenings, and history of West Seattle intersect. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. This episode is a real page-turner as we check in with Eric Ogresek at Pegasus Book Exchange for his spring reading recommendations, and find out what books have been making the rounds of people in the neighborhood. Before we go any further, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, which is also a great place to share your comments and reviews. And make sure you're following our handle, Always Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The recent weather has delivered us a solid, sunny week that feels a lot like summer, but before we get ahead of ourselves, we need to talk about spring reading. For starters, I asked people in the junction about the last great book they read. And among the wonderfully diverse responses, one thing became clear. Book titles are hard to remember. I don't know what the name of the title is, but it's The Best Essays by David Sedaris. Yeah, sorry, I feel terrible that I can't even think of the name of the book. <laughs> it's called The Great Alone by uh, Kristen Hanna, I believe. It's about a, a couple that moved to Alaska from Seattle. It's kind of like a historical fiction, okay. but it's pretty awesome. I reread uh, William Gibson's Neuromancer about six months ago, um, and that's one of my favorites. You know, it's this book from the 80s, the cyberpunk novel, basically inventing the concept of the internet before there was an internet, and so it's pretty interesting. But yeah, that's uh, probably the last one I've just, the last truly great book I've read. It was Teddy Roosevelt on trial. What did you like about it? It was real. It was very interesting. I'm not quite through with it. So I can't tell you. I know he wins. (laughs) Mary Trump's book on Donald Trump. Very enlightening, to say the least. and Very accurate. Actually, I'm reading the very first book of Outlander right now. And it seems to be following the, the TV show pretty well. I'm really enjoying it. Oh my gosh. Why am I drawing a blank? I swear I'm literate. <laughs> it was the Hillary Clinton. The Hillary Clinton book. And the Michael Cohen book. Yeah. It was a very informative, eye-opening book. Cool. And I'm just glad that the last four years are over and done with. Poetry book that I don't know the name of it. I would have to look it up on the phone. It has a hundred poems. It's brand new with different sections about life and happiness and this, you know, different things. And I'm very excited to try it and help process the pandemic with the poetry and stuff. Ready Player Two. It's not as good as the first one, but I don't know. We like Ready Player One and it just takes it on to the next level. The last book I read was Mo Meta Blues by Questlove. It was great because it was all about music, and it was just great to get more music into my library. Um, what was it called? Um, I don't read a ton, but... um, Oh, I remember what it was called. It was called... It was by... Okay. I have to look up what it's called. Something about zebras. It was... I read it fully, though, and it was the last book. I just finished Handmaid's Tale. So I really loved it, obviously. Um, And then, I mean, that's a more common answer. I did read uh, about Kamla Das, which she's an Indian author. And it's the book is called About Kamla. And she, um, it's it's like a autobiography style novel of when she was way younger. And she has a lot of ups and downs in her life, but it was, it was very interesting. 
So I loved that one. Yeah, I can't right now because my brain, I just got off work and I'm not thinking. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a Dean R. Kuth book. I can't think of the title. Side. It's always the last one that I've done. Gosh, that just wowed me. It's old. It's kind of unfair to say. The Tombs of Etuan, which is Ursula K. Le Guin. It's old school. I missed it when I was in high school, and it just makes you think. If you've got a book you think people should know about, share it in our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle Always Podcast. Next, let's check in with Eric at Pegasus Book Exchange for three of his springtime selections and some discussion about another kind of seasonal picking. Spring books. What's what's hot on the spring reading list at Pegasus Books? Yeah, good question. There's so many new things coming out. I'm, I'm trying to revisit some old, but also some new. And I really enjoyed Bad Muslim Discount. Boy, that book, the cover caught me right away. It's like San Francisco. It's a beautiful painting. And I normally don't go for covers alone, but it drew me to it. And then the title, of course, it's just a beautiful title, The Bad Muslim Discount. Mm -hmm. Sayed Masood wrote this, but this is a lot you could tell from their own life. It's basically two lives that are very different that meet up and then they get to revisit what it means maybe to be a Muslim in America nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so some of it sets uh, in the 1990s, some in 2016 in San Francisco when the folks do meet up, but it's just beautiful seeing their different parallels. And I have a lot of Muslim friends who have a hard time talking to their folks as they get older about how things are here. They're very traditional and conservative, and mm. while the, the younger generation wants to blend in and be themselves and be an American as well. And I think the discussions had in this book are unlike any other I've read that maybe help both generations and both groups of folks be okay with maybe moving forward, that this life is their kid's life, it's not their life. And I think it's a discussion that hasn't been had in many cultures and subgroups, but I feel like this one really hits the nail on the head. And it's who, who doesn't love San Francisco. It's beautiful when they walk around town and talk about some of the things that are there. I, I just love this book and I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And it's uh, it's funny what you say about the cover. I also I agree that it's very striking and it almost looks like the cover for a graphic novel. And this book yeah. itself for a, a story about what it's like to be an immigrant in America today is funnier than one might think. Yeah, for sure. And I think that humor helps disarm a lot of people. Some people are still reluctant to learn about other cultures, not generally people who are going to buy a book with this cover, but it's still good to hear that element uh, of humor as a relief. I've been using it my whole life to come up with awkward situations to deal with them. <laughs> my, my parents are immigrants too, and people would always make fun of their accents, not being able to hear them. And Luckily, I knew how to shoot back at people, so it didn't really hurt me. You know, I'd make fun of my parents in front of them, too. And they'd call me a little brat, and then we'd have good discussions on why I thought it was okay to make fun of their accent. And I appreciate them giving me a better opportunity here. I think humor helps a lot. It can be obviously used very negatively and offensive, but I'm glad that this book was written and allows people to, to deal with these subjects. And yes, the humor part, definitely. I, I laughed numerous times throughout. Yeah. Uh, it was good. And then it makes you, once you laugh, you get to sit back and look at the situation. Well, what was I laughing at? Why? And then the seriousness can also set in, I feel like. When that, my brain opens that way when I laugh, then I'm like, what's here to learn as well? So, Absolutely. Yeah. It's the gateway drug to thinking about things in a different way. <laughs> Definitely. What else you got going on? Yeah. One of my classics, everything's sprouting up everywhere. Things are, are popping up. Wild Remedies by Rosalie De La Fore and Emily Hahn is, is one of my favorites. It's put out by Learning Herbs Publishers, and anybody even slightly curious in foraging and 
and using the things you find either in your garden or that you find out in the wild for everything from maple syrup cake to nettle frittata to chickweed pesto for mm. food. A lot of oils, salves, teas, tinctures, for example. I sell tinctures through the store as well. I, I just brought in four different batches today that Nicole and I just finished up of chamomile, reishi, nettle, and lemon balm. I didn't know you did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we took last year off because I didn't want to really sell foods or stuff we foraged because I didn't want you know anyone to feel weird about it since no one was touching anything and we don't have a license. Don't tell anyone. But you don't need to for the small batch we do. Luckily, if you make under $20,000 as a cottage law, it's very fascinating what you're allowed to go find in Washington state and then resell up to a certain amount. Mm -hmm. So they're very generous. I think it's 20,000 is the most you can make without having to register under all these different things. And we're well under that, obviously, but we, we forage all these things like the reishi last year was the most I've ever seen in my life. And we've harvested probably 20 pounds of fresh reishi and bought some really high-end vodka right away to help pull it out. I noticed if you do the lower end, you're still having disgusting vodka. No Mm -hmm. offense, McCormick's, but this is a gray goose in the sky. So it really, it makes a difference when you're having something that isn't palatable for everybody. Not everybody likes mushrooms or chamomile, but boy, it, it... yeah, it's fun. It's just another thing that we started doing. So I got $20 bottles for two ounces there, and you could just take a little dropper full. You know, the reishi is good for health, mm-hmm. and the chamomile is, is very calming. The nettle is a good cleanse, and it's everywhere, but that nettle, just having a few drops of that every day, I, I've noticed helps. And the lemon balm is just uplifting and one of the best-smelling herbs out there. So we're just really getting excited because we have all this stuff. We see stuff popping up. We're just waiting for more snow to melt so we can get the mushrooms. But yeah, this book, Wild Remedies, it's not just for people who are super serious into it because it's everything. And it's broken up into chapters by different plants like mint or elderflower. And then you can see all the different uses uh, from edible to herbal for medicine or eating or mm-hmm. and the history of it, the past uses. It addresses cancer and all the other things it can help prevent. Yeah. And even common stuff you might take for granted, like cottonwood. Cottonwood is one of our favorite things that we use as, I'm sorry, I forget the word right now, what we, we call it, but it's the main, oh God, what's going on? Is it good for memory? <laughs> no, it's apple, it should be, but it's not. <laughs> But uh, a lot of people use beeswax and other things that we feel like people have allergies to. We, we just let a lot of stuff simmer in cottonwood oil. And boy, yeah, like St. John's wort, that's what we pull St. John's wort out with is cottonwood oil because it's really good to rub into the skin and mm-hmm. it absorbs it really well. I learned a lot from this book. And as we've talked about before, there's actually some great foraging right here in West Seattle, but don't ever eat anything unless you're 100% sure what it is. Exactly. And there's plenty of groups online that will help identify it. And if you ever want to send the store a picture, I'll I'll do my best to do that. My partner is a landscape architect and gardener, and she can identify everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not nearly as good as her, but I can get most of them. But yes, always, if you're unsure, don't do it. And honestly, the place you pick is most important. You can find a lot of these things here, but I would never harvest them anywhere within a city limit just because of all the pollution in the air, and the exhausts that sit, and these plants pull up a lot of the metals. So, right. you know, Issaquah is usually the closest I go to get anything in a good amount. 
we'll go get Nettle there. And I know you were just recently there with Langdon Cook. And yes. did that. That must have been awesome. It was so great. And Nettles were definitely on the agenda while we were out there. First, we went to the wrong side of the mountain, and it was covered in snow. It was actually snowing when we pulled up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be hard to find anything. But then we realized we were in the wrong spot. And when we went around to the other side, it was not snowing. And uh, it was an amazing experience that we did through the Field Trip Society and Langdon was oh. a, a really great guide and we learned a lot and I think I think we might be going back there next weekend to do some nettle harvesting. Nice. Yeah, nettle's underrated. I love it. We've actually gotten so good at being able to handle it where we can touch it without gloves now. If you just grab it tightly and fold it up, we can even just eat it but i didn't do that the first year at all i would have thought anyone was insane doing that (laughs) so you're an official nettle whisperer now yes i love it so much i love (laughs) the smell it honestly reminds me of cats in the sunshine which might not appeal to everybody but (laughs) when our cats get really warm they smell like fresh nettle uh, (laughs) i just love the smell of it and it makes you feel good yeah i can't wait to go uh, give my cat a big sniff the next time i see him hanging out in a sun puddle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely do it, <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> and what's the last book that you've got for us today yeah this one I, I actually just came in through the store i'd never heard of it once again the catchy cover caught jimmy's attention and he's hey this there's a little blurb by adrian tchaikovsky on there who's one of my favorite authors uh, writing really beautiful space operas that are they call them like evolutionary science fiction where the the person is clearly very smart who writes those books and uh to extract what could possibly be of future humans, unlike people have in the past, but using hard science to see how we might evolve. And it's beautiful. That's what caught my attention to this book by Tade Thompson. It's a trilogy, which I didn't know until I started reading the, the first one. You know, Afrofuturist, which blends a lot from the, the Black Diaspora, and it also involves technology. In this book in particular, it's basically a town has a bubble that pops up around it, And people live all around that bubble because certain things happen every once in a while that make it a very desirable place to be near. For the most part, it definitely isn't. But for a brief window, and I won't give any of that away, something really special happens. And that that involves a lot of people wanting to steal some of that power, obviously, bringing a lot of helpless folks out there as well as government. So it's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. The main character is a a government agent with a kind of seedy history. And uh, it's a lot on what the self can do and what's right. Is it better for everyone or yourself or what you're told to do? I just love it. It reminds me a lot of N.K. Jemisin. And her works are, I think, the best Afrofuturist in this series. I can't wait to read the second, but this is looking to be really good as well. Cool. And th- this book is called Rosewater. It's the first of a trilogy. I read that it um, won the Arthur C. Clarke Award, one of the highest honors for science fiction in the UK, where the author lives. And it does seem to have, like, it's the science fiction with a little bit of everything. There's mystery and action and psychological drama and people bursting into flames and alien sexy time. <laughs> exactly. All the things anyone could want. I've noticed more people during the pandemic have, have opted for this genre, which a lot of people for many years, it was taboo. People used to not read romances because they were uh, unfortunately, they people there was a negative stereotype to that. But sci-fi, I'd say, is more for so many people won't read sci-fi. If you right. tell them it's that, they just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because it's an overlooked genre for the masses that I feel like the pandemic led them into this section, which is really nice because a lot of this is post-apocalyptic survival, yeah. having to dig deep. And literature, I don't think, does that as much. So it was great to see people come over here. One book did that was Station Eleven by... 
Hillary St. John Mandel, and that was like a, a Shakespeare troupe at the end of time, mm-hmm. just them going around. And that brought a lot of people over to this genre, same as Russell's The Sparrow. Both those books, very literary, beautifully written, but also involved these kind of sci-fi elements. If aliens were to show up in West Seattle today, what would you do? Oh, boy. I don't know. I would hang. I would ask them what they want us to learn, honestly. I've been waiting for them to come say hi anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just want to hear them out. Mm -hmm. I think that'll be the key when they do come say hi. Yeah. Is to just listen. (laughs) I would start with a West 5 Mai Tai because after that, it's all good. I hope they can digest alcohol. I wouldn't want to kill them, but good point. No. Yeah, they are not. They're not for the faint of heart. (laughs) No. (laughs) I might take them to Allium because it's good plant-based food that anyone could love. That way, you don't get offended feeding them a fish or something. (laughs) I think I'd probably bring them to Allium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, that fish could be their cousin or something. (laughs) There we go. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, man. Thanks so much for uh, sharing all these great recommendations. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to check out some of your tinctures. Do people order those online? For How do people get them since we're still not quite in the just pop in the shop mode? Yeah, the best way if you have my number, I have a list of 200 people I text for mushrooms and stuff like this. So you could always text me. You could email the store Thursday through Sunday is when I, I have them here. Those are my days every week, Thursday through Sunday. We might open maybe June 1st or something to a very limited mm-hmm. amount without appointments. We're still discussing that. But yeah, the best way is maybe email or come by the store. I'm here all day, Thursday through Sunday. And I can just bring any of them out to you. Like I said, it's just 20 bucks for two ounces, which is way cheaper than anyone has them anywhere. Yeah. And these are fresh, small batch, done at home by us. And, and, and we use it as well. So that's a, another key to it is that it's all used by the people that sell it to you. Yeah. But real quick, I want to give a shout out to all of our customers who actually donated over $30,000 to us. You know, it's been really rough on us, the pandemic. We haven't made mm-hmm. much money. And then we had a, a grant and a loan be caught up. And now it's five weeks delayed and we're really wow. suffering because of it. And we put a little thing on Facebook, a little fundraiser and we asked for 16000 or 18000 and got $32,000. Wow. 500-something donors. We cannot believe it. Some of these people we haven't heard from in 20, 30 years that somehow found out about it. And all the people that reposted, I just want to thank all of our customers, even the people who didn't contribute to this, honestly. I'm going to do, we're going to do official thanks, but I know that a lot of people listen and I would like to thank them personally. Just, this is really special to see this. I've never been anywhere where people love a store so much. Even though we're crusty, we're all different. We offend sometimes, but we also show our love. And it's really just, it's incredible to see that. And the owners are are insanely happy as well, because we might even get a little vacation at the end of May, which I I can't believe might happen. Yeah, that is amazing. I I read about that first on the West Seattle blog, and I made a donation myself to the cause. And I just think the turnout of support just shows what you and the business bring to our neighborhood. And it's just another thing that, that we value and is important to the people that live here. So I was really stoked to see that kind of support show up for you guys. I know, for real. Yeah, and thank you so much for doing that. I read your name on there. There's so many names. I just And the, what people typed was beautiful too. I only read 50 a day, so I didn't get overwhelmed with emotion. It's hard <laughs> not to cry and be excited. But ultimately, that's we know we live in an amazing place, and I just I wish everybody would be like this everywhere. It'd be such a great world if everywhere was West Seattle. It would be. <laughs> you can shop the new and used selections to be found at Pegasus Book Exchange through their website, pegasusbookshop.com. That's it for this episode of Always West Seattle. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, like, and share. 
Always West Seattle is a Made with Bacon production, all rights reserved. Interviews have been edited for brevity and clarity. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.